I'm not paying $270 to invite this evil presence into my home again. Like, it took me too long to get rid of the last spirit. Okay, so much sage. So much sage. I, I love the fact that he, the word there was again. Do you see again. the <laughs> whole paragraph was crutched on again? I just want to point that out to you guys. So there is apparently a story. So <laughs> Hey, if a strange man with, like, a half-red beard tries to sell you a goblin doll at a Comic-Con for $5, just say no. Like, it never works out. <laughs> Well, that's sound advice. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, You, Me, and Your Mom, a show where three people sit down to talk about whatever they want to talk about. I'm your host today, Eric, and we're joined by our other two hosts, my best friend, Brandon. Present. And my mom, Mom. I'm here, too. And her name is Sandy. We're also joined by a very special guest. Her name is Kat, and we'll introduce her formally in just a moment. But before we do, how is everybody doing? Well, I get to go first because I'm the mom. So I'm actually doing really well. I spent the weekend watching WandaVision um, since our episode last time you guys talked about it. So I watched the whole thing. It was actually really good. Once I got past the first couple like episodes. I know, right? Right. Because I was like, what the heck? But then they made sense later on. So it was good. It was really good. And I talked making it into watching it with me. So that was good. I have a new sewing machine, which was exciting. I know nobody else cares, but I care. Nerd. And I played with it. I know I'm a nerd. And it, it, it actually like embroiders names. Oh, so is that cool. is you got an embroidery you. machine or is it? Just- I, well, it's it's a sewing machine with or an embroidery thing with it. Yeah. So it does does these it does like names. So the cool thing is I made my mom an apron and I did her name. But I'm also planning in Cat, you can't tell anyone. I'm planning a weekend retreat in fall, like a mental health wellness weekend retreat. And everybody will get shirts in their swag bag that will have like their tribe on it. But they will also have, can't tell anyone, they will also have their names embroidered on them by me with my new machine. See, thank you, Brandon. I knew that you would like that. Uh, uh, I knew. See, I knew Brandon would get that. Eric's over there going. What the heck? I don't even care about this, but Brandon no, no, no. is excited. No, no, this, this is not why I stopped and stared at you. I love how you were telling everybody not to say anything on an international podcast. I, I'm struggling to <laughs> you know, reconcile. Oh, I totally forgot. <laughs> I was, I'll keep it a secret, Sandy. I promise I won't tell anybody. See, I was kind of hoping that like, by the time that you know, it gets to the retreat, you know them well enough to start giving them arbitrary mid-names. So it's like Smitty, the doc. Mr. Two, little Miss Two Fingers, cat the cat. I don't know. I'll have to come up with something. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, I was excited about that. So I know it's a little strange thing. And then on top of that, my material came in today, like all 21 yards of the 54 inch material to do. Finally, make curtains for my living room and my dining room. So guess what? I will be doing next weekend. I will be doing that so i'm excited i know okay. some machines get brandon not excited so yeah, living your you best know, life go for it living my best life i did okay. create a new website for my business which was good because i brought in another therapist so now i have two therapists that i know it's really exciting so i did that so yeah i had a good weekend awesome so, brandon nice yeah i was didn't have a whole lot going on this past week. My wife, however, did. Speaking of sewing machines and craftiness, um, she kind of redecorated, well, finally decorated, well, not finally, but put up some decorations she's been meaning to do for a while. Um, she's had like a bunch of vintage fabric swats and she put them through like the embroidery hoops and just like hung those around the upper 
corners of her walls. You should check out her Facebook. She had, it, they look really great. Um, I but saw yeah, it. She's, it looks amazing. Yeah, she's got her sewing machine in there and she's got a serger. And I think the embroidery machine is like the next on the list at some point, you know, the, the next big crafty purchase. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, she'll be jealous when she hears you've got an embroidery machine. <laughs> well, it's or a, a combo. Well, a combo, I should say. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a combo. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Other than that, just living the dream. There you go. The thumbs up, I feel <laughs> slightly sarcastic, but we'll let it pass. No, the thumbs up was sincere. The smile was sarcastic. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> fair, well played. Yeah. So uh, before we introduce you, though, Kat, how are you? I'm doing well. Good. I have um, been staying with a friend because I'm traveling for work right now. Gotcha. And so that's been very fun because I'm usually solo. And she and I have been doing going to the gym. And uh, I got to do bedtime with the girls tonight, her girls. And we got to do bath time and lay in the bed and watch cartoons before I got on the phone with y'all. So, yeah, it's been a good night. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm assuming they're children. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're two and six. And then oh, my perfect. friend obviously is an adult. So. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. I get well, to be Aunt, Aunt Cat Cat when I'm with my friends and their kids. So. I love it so much, Aunt Cat Cat. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, we're doing good here in Florida, working hard. Uh, <laughs> we did the most cool thing ever, let the party commence. We went to plant nurseries all day Sunday. <laughs> I thought I was nerdy. What the heck, dude? We bought some flowers, man. I tell you, we're living the high life down here, but other than that, we're doing good. So I can't complain too much. So, uh, well, let me introduce, well, I'm going to kick it over to mom. She knows Kat a little bit better to us. I'll kick it over and let her introduce and we'll go from there. Well, we're really excited about Kat. I'm going to let her tell you kind of her life story. However, um, Kat is a friend of mine and she is a doctor. And so we've asked Kat to come in tonight to talk about her experience as a doctor, as a female doctor in a field that tends to be more male dominated um, and her experiences as a woman in this world of sometimes misogyny. I mean, we're just going to name it, right? So sometimes misogyny or sometimes some of that institutionalized generation, institutionalized <laughs> generational. Yes. All of those things. And so as, as one woman to another, I'm like, please come talk to us about what's going on with that. Cause I think I've shared on here a few times, or at least hinted around that I've experienced my own issues in corporate America, which is one of the reasons I'm back into private practice where I feeling like really comfortable and happy. So, cause I'm just too old for the other stuff. So Kat, thanks for coming. We're so glad you're with us. Um, how about you? Well, how about you tell us a little bit about you? I am a Libra. Okay. Good deal. I'm a cancer. <laughs> um, oh, my mom always said I was a pumpkin baby. Um, let's see. <laughs> Tomboy growing up, always one of the boys, always played sports. Um, I had an older brother and a younger sister, and I was raised in Western Kentucky, mm. um, middle-class family, um, white collar. My dad's a lawyer, mom's a nurse, and she's the reason why I wanted to go into medicine. Um, she always takes care of everybody in the family and always takes care of, you know, anybody and everybody. Um, and she was always really good at her job. And she would talk to me. We didn't do like the birds and the bees talk at the house. We did the, you know, this is my anatomy book, you know, and am I allowed to use anatomy terms on here? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was like, uh, because I just, yeah, I was just like. I'll be writing it down. (laughs) Yes, vagina. I'll teach you some stuff. Eric takes out notepad. (laughs) Is this how it works? Okay. I thought the leg bone was connected to the tailbone. Who knew? (laughs) Yeah, so it was, you know. And that it was no birds and the beast. It was, you know, penis, vagina, you know, that kind of thing. And then um, she's just pretty, pretty straightforward, like I am. And I grew up in Western Kentucky. A lot of my family's from Nashville. So I went to school in um, Nashville, private Christian school. And then I, I got a biology and chemistry degree. And then I stayed um, and did my master's, my first master's degree there in biomolecular science and I did breast cancer research there and um taught as an adjunct professor for about two years hmm. fully. and then went to med school went to med school in eastern Tennessee um and then clinicals around that area Appalachia area in Tennessee and then while I was there I also got my MBA degree um, while I was in medical school and there was only like two, two or three girls in that class too. It was mostly guys. Um, I mentioned she's smart by any chance. I don't no. know if I mentioned that she's no, very smart. I'm getting Hamilton vibes over here. Yeah, okay. Girls. Just thought I would throw that vibes, out here. Cat yeah. wrote the other 47. No. <laughs> it makes up a, it makes up for a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then and then I've stayed in this area. So I'm still I'm in residency. So I'm not I have one more year left. I've um then I'll be a, like a internal medicine doctor, which is adult medicine. So I can do outpatient, I can do hospitalist, um, I could go to fellowship and specialize. Um, but I have one more year, so I'm still in my residency. So technically, I'm still in training. Mm. So like, if you're on um, Grey's Anatomy, last year I was Meredith at the beginning, where she's an intern. Right now I'm Meredith, where she's a resident. And then after next year, I'll be Meredith as an attending. We're like, I'm the boss. So yeah. right now I make no money and I'm still working like a dog, but I'm not an intern. So it's like scrub season one, scrub season two, scrub season three for those mm-hmm. fans. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that's my career life story, you know, where I've been and what I've done. Right. And really being a girl throughout the whole part of it, the being a girl throughout it was, you know, just so mixed in there. Um, you know, like you throw like a girl, you know, like that's, yeah. it's funny. Cause when you were saying you're, I was a doctor in medicine, but I was a female doctor, what came into my mind and I almost started laughing and almost interrupted Sandy, which I do all the time is interrupt Sandy, um, <laughs> is like all my friends joke and they're like, cat's a lady doctor yeah. because that's what people call me. You know, it's like, well, she's the lady doctor and I get it from my patients from, nurses from you know i've even in medical school there have been comments in college there are comments growing up you know and, and then growing up it was you know women and children are to be seen and not heard mm. all that my whole life um your jobs to look pretty and keep your ha- husband happy I was told that growing up you know things like that so that was kind of what i was taught growing up and like i wasn't supposed to have an opinion mm. and i had tended to get in trouble for being outspoken and having opinions. There have been times where I've been asked, been excused from the gathering, <laughs> you know, for having opinions and speaking out and 
things like that. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I could, uh, kind of start from the beginning, I guess, and tell different stories if you want, Sandy. I think that that would be good because I, I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, like twice as old as you, but like literally <laughs> twice as old as you, but whatever, whatever. You, and you don't show it. No, she doesn't. Thank you. That's so sweet. But coming up, I heard a lot of that too. And even as an adult, I heard a lot. And if I spoke up or, so I, I actually had a CEO one time say, I know you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. We want you to speak up, but when you do, we get upset. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. So what do I do here? How do I please you? What do you do? It's basically don't sit at our table. That's basically what the answer really kind of came down to is yeah. we really don't want you to have a place at this table. And I'm like, dad gum and I earn this place, you know? And so I didn't call you lady doctor because you I hear my joke. I know, I know that's not why I did it, but I, I, cause I didn't know you were going to make a joke about it, but you know, you're a doctor who happens to be a female. Mm-hmm. You're not a female doctor. You're cause you're, you're not a lady doctor. You're not a doctor just for women. Yeah. So, you know, that would be okay too, but you are a doctor who happens to be female. Mm-hmm. And yet that's not the way the world sees you. Cause we don't normally go, yeah, he's a man doctor. He's a gentleman doctor. We, no. we, we don't do that. Oh man, <clears throat> don't let me forget a story about my favorite clinic patient. Cause I want to save it to the end. I, okay. So I'm making a note. <laughs> yeah. So why um, don't you, why don't you give us some examples or some stories maybe coming through okay. what that was like for you? So college, you know, it's a Southern Christian small college in Nashville. So hard to like, you know, Southern America, the the South Bible belt, and they would, um, people would just say things about like MRS degree or just going to college to meet a man. There was a lot of pressure about that. Um, there's a lot of pressure to settle down. Oh, he's a nice guy. Or, you know, he'll have a good job. You don't have to work, you know, things like that. And so when I, I didn't have a boyfriend, most of college, um, and I even had a professor comment about it one time, um, a male professor comment about it one time that he noticed I didn't have a boyfriend, you know, um, things like that, uh, beginning, I guess. And then, and then when I was a grad school, um, there were some comments cause I taught, I taught different classes while I was in grad school to pay for my, like as a GA pay for school. And then I stayed over. And so some of the classes I taught were, um, you know, like freshman biology, like not like, you know, gen ed biology, which is fun. And they hated it. And I just, you know, kept their attention for an hour and then let them leave. Um, But then there were classes that were kind of more challenging. Like I taught adult studies programs and a lot of the uh, people in there or adults in there were um, GI bill guys, yellow ribbon program guys. Um, and I thought, you know, that was great. But then I also realized that like, then I realized that, you know, I was a little comfortable cause I was only like 24 in teaching people who are twice my age, um, adults who had full-time jobs. And this is, I mean, I had had full-time jobs, but, um, I was like, Oh, do they respect me? And then, you know, it's funny. The military guys were quicker to show me respect than the civilians. And I, I, I would, I didn't think that that would be the case. And I really appreciated it. They would kind of stick up for me a little bit and they had watched, they'd watch my back, 
one of them would always stay after and say, well, it's dark because it was a night class. It's dark. I'll, I'll walk you. I'll walk you to the parking lot, which is, you know, that was very nice. You know, he wasn't trying to be a creep or anything. Sure. Um, but I have had a lot of creeps. Um, let's see. Med school. I started getting comments in medical school from other future doctors. I remember this one guy. Everyone looked up to him because he made all the study guides in med school for everybody. And we would like call them the doctor, whatever guys, I don't want to call him out. Cause he probably, he should be ashamed of this, but um, so who's the doctor, whatever guides, and you have to use doctor, whatever guides to the, the whatever guides to pass your test, you know, cause he did, was so thorough and did such a good job. And I always looked up to him. Then we had clinicals together and I was excited. Cause I was like, Oh, he's nice. You know, he's cool. And then I remember we were on internal medicine together. There's only two or three of us. And so we spent all day together. You kind of see each other interacting with patients, with attendings and with nurses. And you work on a team as a team, eat lunch together. You end up getting on each other's nerves. Well, at one point he turns to me and it's like, like rolling his eyes because I'm chit-chatting with one of the nurses and we're talking about a TV show or talking about something. And I'm just talking to her like she's a friend, you know, because we're not doing work stuff. Um, it was on the side and he just like rolls his eyes and I was like, what's the matter? And he was like, he was like, geez, Kat, you should have just been a nurse. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. Number one, I said, and I said, I was like, number one, I'm offended because what does just a nurse mean? Um, you know, my mom's a nurse. The hospital wouldn't run without nurses. All you do is put in orders. They do all the things you need them to do. Like, you know, we work as a team here, bro. You might be a masochist that has more education than everybody else in this building, but medicine's a team, you know? And so that kind of made me mad. Number one. Number two, I was like, why would you say, I was like, why did you say that? And he's like, you just don't have the personality of a physician. And he gave me a look and I'm like, why? I said, why? Because I have a good bedside manner. I was like, my mother was a nurse. She raised me to have a good bedside manner. I, you know, I talk to people kindly. I'm outgoing, you know, and I was just kind of like standing up for myself a little bit. And I was like, what's your point? And he's like, I'm just saying you get along better with the nurses than you do with other doctors. I wonder if he would have said that to a man. Yeah. He never, no, he wouldn't have. And that's the thing is like, he let, we were all sitting in the, the like med student room. And he left and one of the other guys said, Kat, I'm really sorry. He, he was like, he shouldn't have said that to you. He was like, that was really shitty. And that's not, yeah, he was like, that's not true. Like, that was really crappy. And I was like, well, I'm offended for nurses. Like, and I, of course, was, I'm usually offended for other people before I'm offended for myself because I let people walk all over me a little bit. Um, and I was like, well, that's just really crappy what he said about nurses and blah, blah, blah. And then I remember on the way home driving and thinking like, why would he say that about me? Like, why would he say that about my personality? Like, you know, like I, I'm, gl- I'm glad the nurses like me. I'm glad the patients like me, you know? Um, and I've, I've gotten it from other doctors too. In other situations, they tell me I have too much energy. They tell me I'm too happy. They tell me um, I'm too personable with nurses. They tell me I'm too personal with patients, um, you know, things like that. And and I used to be like, get so embarrassed when I was a med student because I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm not being stern enough and I need to, you know, whatever. And then I realized the nurses like me better than they like you. They'll do things for me. They won't do for you. They help me out. They look out for me. And then I realized, too, is my patients will talk to me and like the, the attending, the other doctor would leave the room and they'd start telling me everything because I'm approachable and kind, you know, and nice. 
and he's a jerk. <laughs> like, and then the jerk who won't, doesn't talk and has no energy and is rude, who's been doing it for 25 years is looking at and telling me that I'm too nice and too talkative and uh, too much energy and blah, 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 blah. And it's, and it, and I realize it's cause I'm a bubbly like I am, but I can read the room. I'm not like that when someone's on their deathbed, you know, right. obviously they have common right. sense. Right. Um, but yeah, so I've had comments like that, which I don't think, you know, they would like Sandy said, I don't think they would say those things to, um, a male, uh, position. Um, they also, you know, just questions. Cause I, I have been married. Um, and so they would ask like, well, what does your husband do? And like, is he okay with you working this much? And is he okay with this lifestyle? And just, you know, things like that. And well, does your, well, does your husband want to have kids anytime soon? And, you know, I've even had a family member one time tell me that I wouldn't be a good mother because I was a doctor and how could I, this is a female family member. How could I be a good mother if I was going to be a doctor and work as much as I'm going to work? Yeah, well, no, Judith, you don't be, seem to be doing such a great job either. It's not a doctor. So yeah. Yeah. All the dice. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny, Kat, because I hear you and I'm, I'm so relating to you because I have my whole history of these kinds of stories. Yeah. You know, it, and it's, it's for a long time, I, I didn't even feel like <laughs> I could step into the business world because that was, and when I even say business world, it's even like step into being who I am because it, it's funny that all of these comments happen constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just from one corner, it's not just from one person, and it's not just like once a month, it's like on the daily. Daily. Well, and it's different demographics. And it's, mm-hmm. it's coming from different types of people. It's coming from civilians, like patients. It's coming from my nurses. It's coming from my coworkers, like people who are in my class mm-hmm. with me. It's coming from doctors sure. who are older. And now as a doctor, so I've been a doctor. This is my second year as a doctor. I'm a young doctor. I do not know it all and I'm still learning. Um, but, you know, I've, I've noticed even female nurses, they will not call me Dr. Blank they call me cat. So, you know, Dr. Smith walks in the room, Dr. Johnson, Dr. Douglas, whatever, they all walk in the room and, and the nurse turns to the patient or turns to him and says, well, Dr. Smith, what do you think? And then, well, and then he'll answer. And then they turn to me and they say, cat, what do you think? Right in front of the patient. And that's, it's so hard for me because I have to be approachable for my nurses and I, they have to like me. And if I insist on them calling me doctor, whatever, um, then, an yeah, then it's, then they don't like me and they're, she's bitchy. Sure. She's rude. She's bitchy. Um, and then, you know, it, it's just so hard. Cause it's like, how do I stay on their good side and them like me and us chit chat about highlights and the newest Grey's Anatomy episode but also get them to call me doctor whatever in front of all the patients, because the issue is working in rural Appalachia. I go from, I do travel like half of my year is very rural and half of my year I'm in huge metal, like university hospitals. So I have, I've I've had a diverse, you know, range of patient population, but I'm still in the South and I'm, it's still Appalachia. And so, 
you know, I still have patients. I've had patients pinch me, you know, I've been slapped before and I could tell you that whole conversation. I'm going to tell you that story. I've been asked out numerous times. I've had patients say when I was a med student, I've been asked, I was probably asked out more as a med student than a doctor. Mm. Um, but like, they'll say one guy said, Oh, well, you're way prettier than Dr. So-and-so. And I said, Oh, thank you. Um, but I just wanted to come in here and talk to you about your medicine before he gets in here. And he looked around the room and said, well, there's plenty of seats in here, but I'd rather you sit on my lap and like smacked his leg. And I was like, Nope, I'm going to sit in the doctor chair and you're going to sit in the patient chair. And, um, then he said, uh, then, you know, I asked about his blood pressure and he asked if that was, this is my natural eye color and I ignored it. And then I asked him about his blood pressure again. And then he, you know, and then I asked him about his blood sugar at home and just checking for his diabetes. And then he asked about my hair and do I get highlights and things like that. And I, I remember the room was like elongated room and there were, there was like chairs, there's a door in the front and then there were chairs. And then there was the doctor, like desk and he was sitting in those chairs in between me and the door he was a huge guy he's like six or six four like 300 something pounds and i remember looking at him and looking at the door behind him and feeling so uncomfortable and so nervous and thinking would dr so-and-so hear me yell and i was like could i get to that door if i had to get to that door and I was just like, he was giving me so, he was so creepy and like made me feel so uncomfortable. And, um, that was one of the times that I thought, I don't, I really don't like being in a room alone with like this sometimes, you know, like, so I'll like leave a door cracked or, um, <clears throat> in the hospital, a lot of times I won't shut the door unless I'm having to do like a very in-depth physical exam. And then, you know, especially if a family member's in there, that's better. Um, or if all, if the nurse is around, I'll pull her in. Um, but you know, I've had patients also like refer to me as lady doctor, or they'll say they'll refuse to acknowledge that I'm the doctor. And so I'll introduce myself as Dr. So-and-so. And, and then, you know, they'll be like, well, when, when's the real doctor coming? Or, you know, well, I know you're the nurse practitioner. One's a doctor coming. And I'm like, no, I'm the doctor, you know? And so that that's happened. And, um, I'm, gosh, I'm remembering so many stories. I remember when I was traveling for interviews for residency before I had this job, I was on the airplane and the guy asked me what I was traveling for work or pleasure. And I said, work. And he asked, if, I told him I was interviewing for jobs, asked what I was doing. I said, I was graduating from medical school. And he said, well, what kind of nurse are you going to be? And I said, well, medical school's for physicians. And I was like, so I'll be a doctor. And he was like, oh, okay. He's like, what took you into the medical field or something? I talked to my mom's a nurse and I've always been interested in it since I was a little girl. Since I was six, I wanted to be a doctor. And then he said, um, he was like, well, he's like, I'm sure you'll be a really good nurse. I said it again. And then I corrected him. And then he said it a third time. And I finally said, either you're not listening to me or you think I can't be a physician because I have a vagina. I was like, what's, I was like, why are you asking me? Why are you still talking to me? Like, I was just very offended, you know? Uh -huh. um, and then there's also been, so, so, you know, I'm more used to the 
lady doctor, people call me by my first name, them not um, recognizing that I'm a physician. I'm, I'm more used to that. That's more comfortable and every day. And I mean, multiple times a day, every day for my whole career. Um, that's more okay with me and more comfortable than like the sexual mm. things that happen. Mm. Um, and that happens from coworkers. It happens from my bosses and attendings. It happens from my nurses and it happens from my patients. So, you know, Sandy knows some of my rules because we're friends. So we've talked, I don't wear makeup at the hospital. I, I'm only wearing contacts because I exercise after work. So I wear my glasses every day. I do not wear uh, like cute, fancy clothes. Um, if I'm allowed to wear scrubs, I wear scrubs. And of course it's the ugly box hospital scrubs that like yep. one size fit all. I don't wear the, the non-tapered, stuff. non-fitted. Yeah. Yep. Non-tapered, non-fitted. I always wear a sports bra because Lord forbid I have a real, a real bra on, mm-hmm. you know, um, things like that. And I'm just very careful. I usually have like a, like a Patagonia sweater or something, um, on, on top of that. And then usually I, I hate wearing my white coat because it, it bothers my shoulders because it's heavy and you carry a lot of stuff in it. And then it just cut and gives me a headache. So I never like to wear it, but almost, a lot of times I'll end up having to wear it because people won't realize that I'm a doctor unless I'm wearing the coat that goes down to the floor, mm. you know? Um, so there's some rules I have. And then, you know, you have to like with male patients, I have to really set myself aback. I don't joke as much. I don't, you know, I'm not as talkative. I don't inquire about personal things because I have, you know, I've been asked out. Um, they make inappropriate comments to me all the time. Sexual comments. I've been touched. I've been hit, you know, we're slapped in the face. One time, this old, a little old man, I asked him if, he, cause I, we had a horrible inter- interaction, just as low as I could make my voice go as loud as I could be. And I am a loud person. Um, he still was having so much trouble hearing me and understanding me. And I asked, I said, I don't, I was, I don't want to offend you. I was like, but we're having a very difficult time communicating and I said, have you ever considered a hearing aid? And he just home and just slapped me right across the face. And I just, I mean, I was deer in headlights. I mean, I've been hit as a kid and I, you know, like as a kid um, had like some fights on the soccer field, you know what I mean? But ne- not as an adult, like, you know, I was like just taken aback and I just stood up and said, sir, we are done here. This, this is inappropriate. And then I just walked out. You wouldn't have done that for a six foot man. I promise you. No, 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 not in the least. No. Um, so that, yeah, those things happen. Um, and then, uh, inappropriate things are like, you know, men make sexual jokes, men make innuendos, men talk about their sex life and that's okay. But if I ever make a joke, or if I talk about my life, totally inappropriate. The room gets quiet. Cat, what are you talking about? How could you say that? What, could, what were you talking about? Whatever. God forbid um, you harlot. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And I'm single and 31. And, you know, I do. I am on the dating apps. Look, look out for me, boys. Um, <laughs> but, you know, 
it's so like people ask like, Hey, Gat, how was your date Saturday? You know? And it's like, Oh, and you know, there's been comments. Oh, you have to be professional. And I'm like, really? Because the other day in our doctor's only meeting, I made a comment about how we were talking about the orthopedic physician assistant, like the PA who's on call. And they were like, did anybody call him last night? That lady burger hit blah, 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 blah. And all I said was, Hey, um, if he and I are pretty close, if y'all need his phone number, let me know. Um, and they started making, uh, sexual jokes about me and, um, you know, making gestures and comments about how close I was with him and inappropriate things I had done with him. And I was really embarrassed and offended. And I said, you know what guys, I was, and it's all the guys, it was just guys there, other female doctors. And I said, guys, like, shut up. Like that's inappropriate. And I said, I didn't say this because I wasn't gonna put it on blast, but he's been dating one of my friends. Okay. That's how I know him is that he dates a friend of mine. No, I have not hooking up with him. No, I have not done anything sexual inappropriate with anybody in this hospital, but like, that's an okay joke, you know? And it's like, how is this appropriate? How is that? Okay. Um, and every, and everyone just laughs it off and I guarantee you, they didn't think a thing about it, but I've thought about it a lot since that happened, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I've had advances from older doctors. Goodness. And that's the most awkward and inappropriate. Um, Because it's like, that's that when you get in that position, which I'm sure Sandy, you have friends or it's maybe happened to you where they're your boss or they're, you know, an upper level, whatever. And they make a pass at you. And it's like, what do you do? And at the time I was married And I was, it was my first year of being a physician and we were in his office alone and, um, uh, Dr. McCreepy, as we will call him. (laughs) Didn't quite make the Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Yes. Dr. McCreepy told me, you know, straight to my face, how sexy I was. And, you know, and I was just like, uh. Like, you know, I was just like, uh, and, and of course this was pre COVID. So I couldn't cover my gasp up. I was like, what? Like, what are you saying to me? And I was just, I was so, I was just, uh, you know, and I just kind of laughed it off. <laughs> Very funny. You know, it's like, what am I supposed to say? Um, and then I, I realized he wasn't just inappropriate with me. You know, he was inappropriate with nurses he was inappropriate. He would make sexual jokes all the time, but I did notice that he would make sexual jokes about me, me being the blunt, the brunt of the, the joke, you know, like I was teaching a medical student how to do an IV. And so I was like holding, you know, an IV needle and teaching him how to hold this. And then you do this in this angle and you go like that, you know, whatever. And he, Dr. McCreepy is like, Oh, I like it when cats holding those tools tools and oh show them how you hold this cat and just I mean like making making like sexual gestures and just like laughing and like hitting the other med student and and I'm just like seriously guys Uh, gross right so so it's funny I'm watching their response and I'm sitting here thinking you know at my age even (laughs) even at even as an older woman I've never had male bosses that at least one of them 
has, no matter how, what their ages were, that haven't tried that same thing with me. Mm-hmm. Even as an older woman. Now, Eric's probably hot, really going, ooh, no, yeah. No. I, I, another hot. topic that we need to talk about. And I'm glad, I'm, I appreciate you, first of all, being so straightforward about all of this. Yeah. Kind of like doctor tells all, and it's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, it is. You, you can call me Dr. Gorgeous because that's what one uh, of the slutty nurses calls. So we call ugh. him Mick Slutty. That slutty nurses. Twitch. So when I walked down the hall, he call, would call me Dr. Gorgeous, uh, which twitch. for a second I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. And then I was like, ew, no. Like, right. Right. Not nice. Yeah, I'm just sitting over here relating, like, oh my gosh, this is my whole, this is why I keep running back home. <laughs> it's, it's like, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sitting here reacting because it's, I've, I hear these stories over and over from my female friends and colleagues and professional people that I know. And I'm also, Kat, you don't know this, but our listeners are probably tired of hearing me say it at this point, but I volunteer in a local after uh, school uh, drama program at a local high school. Mm-hmm. And just the things that I hear from some of my female students too, just from the other students comments that they've had from their teachers from the security guards at the school which is one of the most frightening things there was actually a a scandal a few years ago where a few of the safety officers which is what they call the security guards for the school who are usually off-duty police officers you know were were taken in on rape and molestation charges and it's it's just it's it's the horrible same stories that I hear over and over and knowing that they're so pervasive that in these, you know, you were saying how you, you know, you don't wear makeup and you wear glasses and you wear the bulky sweaters and it's all of these things that in these, that have been these traditional male dominated industries and fields for years that the, the toxic aspects of that have so pervaded that if you are friendly and personable and bubbly and you have a really outgoing disposition that you just get categorized as unprofessional because you're supposed to be stiff and serious or the stiff upper lip and super serious mm-hmm. and, and you're you're supposed to be efficient and not and your bedside manner sure that's important but you know you don't have no, to be no, that no. friendly I, I've heard that yeah I know but yeah. I mean I, I've just heard that I have I have several friends who are are, are both doctors and nurses Versus male and female, and I hear the same thing over and over, especially from the females. No matter how, no matter how you know you comport yourself, it's never good enough. It'll never be up to the standard that they want, and it's it's saddening and it's disheartening and it's sickening. Yeah. And on top of that, no matter how professional or serious and all of those things you are, you're always seen as an object of sexual desire as opposed right. to a person. Right. Let alone a professional. Even yeah. in that Dr. Gorgeous. Well, and the thing, Dr. Gorgeous, yeah. We think of the title of the episode. Okay. <laughs> no, but so, I don't know. I also like to make creepy. Um, but, you know, I, it's also hard too, because I find myself making mistakes and then I get embarrassed. Um, yeah. Like today, I had a patient say, and I, I, I li- replayed it in my head because I was like, oh my God, was I just sexist? Because because all my attendings, all the doctors, all the nurses, everybody, a patient will say, my doctor prescribes that. Uh. And then the response is, what is his name? Mm-hmm. Yep. Your doctor mm-hmm. is a he. Sure. And they assume that it's a he. And my, my issue is that, you know, I made that mistake today. Well, I, I replayed it in my head and I realized he's, the patient said, my doctor, blah, blah, blah. He said this. And, and my response was, what's his name? And I do that all the time. What's his name? 
you know, and I should say, what's your doctor's name? Or I should say, what's their name? Because I don't want to assume it's a male. It's a male. Sure. Sure. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times they'll say, well, my doctor this, and then I'll say, what's their name? And then they'll say, well, she's not a doctor. She's just a nurse practitioner. And then they tell me, um, but you know, around here, there's not, there's not as many, um, physicians who are female lady doctors. Right. So, it's so and now it's a joke. Like my friends, like my guy friends and my family member, like my friends, families, they know that I get called that. So they're like, Oh, there's the lady doctor. Here she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That's, it's interesting listening to you. Um, as a, as a guy, it's how, how am I going to actually, I'd, I'd rather ask you a question than kind of give you my okay. thoughts on it. It sounds like, and I, I don't mean to put, you know, bring this podcast down, but okay. it sounds like all of the things that you have to contend with as a, as a woman in the medical field, it, you have to worry about things that men never have to worry about. And as a result, your, your approach to your career sounds so much more restrictive like the clothing and, and what you're saying and positioning yourself by the door because it could be dangerous. It's, it's amazing to me to hear it. I mean, I've heard it from lots of, pe- lots of women in my life, these things, and it's not the first time I've heard it. Having said that, if you are willing and you're feeling up to it, what kind of feelings does that generate? Like, I'll be honest, I, I've, I've had women tell me they feel like an imposter almost, like people oh, they are never 100%. qualified enough. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, well, not to get too personal. Sure. But I don't, if I'm not in very formal clothes or scrubs, I feel completely uncomfortable in the hospital. Mm. Like, you know, doctors will go in the hospital in their normal clothes, street clothes, jeans, and a hoodie or something to get something out of the locker to run to the to run to the lunchroom and grab a drink or something if they're doing papers in the office and they're not seeing patients or they just had to tell somebody something they're just dropping off a pager you know whatever i walk through the hall and like my workout clothes and it's like oh, oh my god i'm a slut i have a, a tank top on a tank top in yoga your shoulders <laughs> yeah like no i mean you know and i sure. literally felt like that um i went in there the other day and i had you know, Sandy knows how I am. I had baggy, holy jeans on, tennis shoes, a t-shirt, a, a tie-dye t-shirt I'd made myself, and a flannel that was 35 years old that my dad had given me years ago. And so, I mean, that was my like normal grunge look, you know? And I was like, oh, I look, you know, I look horrible. And then at other times I've been in there in like a, um, like a regular bra, and I remember, I remember sitting in there and like feeling kind of slutty. What? Hmm. Like what? Just because I'm a female with breasts, like I felt like I wasn't a doctor and I wasn't professional. And you know, it's I, funny. Oh, I'm sorry. It's funny about oh, no, the. Say, it's I funny about like, the sports bra. But go yeah. ahead. And I don't know. It's a thing I've placed on myself. I think because if I'm having to do chest compressions on someone. Or if someone's coding and we're running a code and I'm doing chest compressions on them, I'm going to be sweating. I'm going to be, you know, doing compressions and I don't want things bouncing. And it's like, that's anatomy and it happens. Okay. Like Mm. I shouldn't be 
embarrassed about that, but I am. You know, so I, I, I just want to just kind of commiserate with you as I sit here in my sports bra, because yeah. when I moved to the sea level at the, my former company, that's actually one of the changes I made. Yeah. Because it does compress things and you're not, you're not bouncing. And it, yeah. I even cut my hair like really yeah. short because I did too I, when I first started, I cut my hair short. Yeah. When you say the sea level, that's that's a level of professionalism, right? We're not chief. talking about elite, not like actual. Development. No, we're talking about at the chief level. Okay, so when you. I became chief clinical and then chief operations and then stepped up to the parent company, the chief quality officer, yeah. because of that, and I was the only woman, the only woman had ever been at that table, right. um, I faced some of the same things. And it's funny that we both ended up in sports, sports bras of all things, but it's like we're hiding yeah. our gender. I, yeah. You know, and it's yeah. we're compressing who we are. And then you know, it's funny, there's one, there's just one um, professional in the hospital who walks around in heels every day, tight spandexy dresses, tight short spandexy, and she's fit, and everybody knows that she's attractive, and she's very attractive, and she just struts her stuff. And the nurses roll their eyes, the physicians roll their eyes, and I've never seen or seen or heard her ever say anything inappropriate. I've done it for almost two years. But she dresses not, I mean, if you would see her on the street, you would say, oh, wow, she looks so nice. Mm-hmm. She's not showing too much skin. She's dressed sharp. She has good shoes on. She's complimenting her body and dressing stylishly. Yeah, she's complimenting her body and dressing stylish. But people make horrible comments about her. Okay. But because she's not wearing super baggy clothing. Yeah. because she and, looks- and, and hiding her femininity. Exactly. I mean, they call her names, they make comments about her, they roll their eyes that she's just strutting around. She's just this, she's that. And, I, and it's funny because I even catch myself thinking that when I hear her high heels coming down the hall, she's the only woman in that tiny little hospital that wears high heels, you know, and probably less than a thousand people that work there. You know, I'm probably exaggerating. It's probably a little bit more than that, but it's a pretty small hospital. Um, and, you know, you can hear it coming down the hall you know it's her that's like you know and I just I feel bad about that and to go back to what um Eric asked I I get frustrated with the men sometimes in my program the other doctors the attendings because I think about things like stupid stuff of like they don't have to get up as early as we do to get ready for work or they go home and you know they 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 already get to have kids because they have a wife who stays at home and raises their kids and I didn't have a husband who's willing to do that and now I'm a single person you know and things like that and I get I get frustrated when they make jokes about me or when they make jokes about other things or when they can talk about whatever they want but I can't talk about whatever I want they think I want to sit there. They want to sit there all day in our shared office and talk about sports or whatever. I'm sorry. Well, and it's like, yeah, I know. It's like as soon as I make a comment about, oh, I'm going to go get my Botox done or I got my hair highlighted or, you know, this or that. It's like they, or like if one, if I finally get to work with a female physician and we talk about our periods, we get reported. I got reported for talking about my period. I hate it, to hear that. I, it's not the first time I've heard it either because it's inappropriate to the content, right? Well, we're doctors. 
Yeah, you know, I know which it's one unprofessional of, one. Well, and it's like I know which one of the doctors have medical issues. I know their allergies. I know, <laughs> you know, if one of them has seizures, I could tell you which one. You know what I mean? I could tell you which one it is. Sure. But if I make comments like that, I'll be reported. You mentioned it's your time of the month. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting to me to hear a few other things. Um, how misogyny actually is, you know, the classic male and female, but this idea of femininity in the workplace, you see that come out in different ways from uh, female co-workers. Oh, yeah. And, and the how, nurses. Yeah, how, how it's so persuasive to the point where it is a accepted even among your peers. It's just so ingrained. Absolutely fascinating to me how that comes out now. I'll be honest, I, I work in an industry that's predominantly female uh, just because I just life and I have seen it and I have seen it, uh, you know, throughout my years that that comes out into it. So any, but any woman who's dressed, you know, uh, well, and that sort of thing, you know, cuts her outfit. Well, like a guy cuts her outfit, his cuts, his outfit really well. You see that where the guy is like, Oh, he just dresses super nice. Look at him, you know, rock that tie and, and those tailored pants or whatever. But then the exact same situation with a female coworker is completely the opposite where they, they mm -hmm. rag on her. It's just super interesting to me to hear that. And it's really interesting to hear as a person who is not a medical to hear the amount of at times unprofessionalism that we're hearing from you is absolutely fascinating. And I certainly understand your frustration. I can, I, well, I understand it. I can never truly know what that feels like. I just can't. Going forward, it's one of those things that we have to kind of discuss it as a society on what is appropriate, what is inappropriate. You know, we, you have all of these stories, and I know what's happened and what's going to happen for some of our listeners. There's going to be different kinds of camps, and I'm just going to be direct about it. There's going to be a camp where, well, she knew what she was getting into. Mm -hmm. be another camp well, and it's always been this way it's always that's, what I, that's what the older nerd the older doctors who are females tell me mm -hmm. and they tell me horror stories you know yeah because they were it was even worse for them right so it's always been this way another one is going to be like well it's her responsibility to dress a way that's appropriate for the work environment it's and what there's such a danger with that concept and i'll tell you why it's not placing any responsibility on the person who actually should have the responsibility. If I look at you and say, well, it's your responsibility to dress a certain way and you should know better and how you should present yourself and all this sort of stuff, that's taking the responsibility off of me to mind my own business mm -hmm. and putting it on you and, like, and making you be some weird enforcer on the thoughts that I have yeah. and how I relate to you. And that's nonsense. And so, what I'm hearing going forward is just like, oh my gosh, how do we as a group, as both male and female and any other genders in between, how do we begin to come up with solutions that help with these kind of things? And I don't know, I'm going to kind of kick it over to both you and mom and you, because you both have experienced these things. What are some things that we could do? Um, when it comes to both male and female relating to each other and from female to female and male to male that could help with this because 
you know, it's, it's horrifying to hear your stories. And so it's my instinct to go, oh gosh, what are some possible ways going forward that we can prove ourselves as people does that, and society as a whole? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think I'm going to let Kat answer just a second. I'm going to step in really quickly. Please do. Yeah. I think, I think the first step is honestly just recognizing that people are people. Mm. We are not our genders. Our genders might be how we express ourselves, whatever they might be, but we are people. And maybe treating other people the way we might want to be treated in that situation. And first of all, well, another, not first of all, I guess this is third of all, (laughs) but not sexualizing everything. Oh my gosh, just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Seriously. We are not all dying to go to bed with you. Just stop. You know, we're just not dying to have sex with you. I'm so sorry, but we're not. So get a grip. We're not. <laughs> Don't take that literally, cat. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to tape that and I'm playing it for all my dates. Yes. Cat's, cat's going to go. Get a grip. Hold on. I need to find something on my phone for you. Yes. Presses play. This is my friend Sandy, and she says this. She says this, and you know, don't we don't all want to sleep with you? You're not that great. So sorry, but go away. Yeah, you know, and seriously, just let me do my job. Let yeah. me do my job, and recognize that you know what, women, women are 51 percent of the population. That's not even any other gender. That's just women. That's just people who identify as women. We are 51 percent of the population. Dad, gum it. Get out of our way. Let us do our job. We are 51% of the population. We're more than half of you. So move, move. We are just as smart. We are just as capable. And dad gum, do I always have to wear a sports bra? Kat, you brought that up. And I'm sitting here in one still to this day. Me too. I haven't worked in corporate America for over, what, almost a year and a half at this point. And I'm still sitting here. Next time we get together on a weekend, if we're not doing yoga, we're wearing regular bras. You are so right. So we can retreat. We are doing yoga. But other than that, we are going to wear regular bras. I'm going to have to actually get one. Yeah. I don't even own one. Eric's over there going, oh, my gosh, my mom's talking care. about bras. But it's, it's funny that to me, that's just become a symbol of what you're talking about, about how we have to hide who we are. Mm-hmm. And I love the- I loved when we went to when this is horrible when COVID happened. And not half of my face was hidden yes. or more. Yes. Yes. I had the thought of maybe they'll finally take me seriously. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, that's, and that's, I like it. That's the thing. I like my face being hidden and I got my nose pierced, yeah. which I think is cool. It is, it cool. is cool. But it I didn't cool. ever, I wanted it for years and years and years and never did it because it wasn't professional, you know, right. um, which right. is fine. I mean, I am a, you know, I am a professional and I do try to be professional but you know i was pumped that i got to pierce my nose and i am i'm wearing a mask and none of my patients especially little old the little old people who you know would ah, freak out about yeah yeah um but i I think that all of these things are they shouldn't be considerate what we wear how we dress if we our personalities are different than our male co-workers Mm -hmm. okay that that's what diversity is, mm-hmm. is accepting that sometimes people are like 
Dr. Cat, who is bubbly and outgoing. Sometimes people are like me, who I tend to be pretty serious and have a hard time like coming out of that seriousness and that philosophy and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's okay. We should just be accepted for who we are and recognize whether or not we do a good job. So yeah. Eric, that's what I think. So Kat, I'm going to throw it to you because I'm sure you've got some solutions too. Well, for me... I've been very introspective recently um, about a lot of things. And so my first instinct is this is in me too. I mean, I was raised this way. I was raised children are to be seen and not heard. A woman is and children are to be there to serve the husband. You know, I was raised, how are you going to serve your husband? I was told that my greatest accomplishment in life was being married. Um, I was told that my career didn't matter because my husband's career mattered. Um, And, you know, he had a third of the education I had, which not that that matters, but it's just like, you know, when you get to that point in your life and, you know, you'd been with someone for however many years and they were with you, they saw you graduate college and two master's degrees and a doctorate and you worked your entire life to get to that point that, you know, less than 1% of the people in the country are at that you know that state that stage of education it's a very proud goal and dream I, I achieved my dream yeah and then to be told by family members that oh no 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 his his job is what matters his career is what matters his happiness is what matters not yours you know I just I that's so ingrained in me that I am just all day, every day being conscious of pronouns. I'm being conscious of not assuming that a professional is a he. I'm being conscious of saying, what's your doctor's name or what's their name? Um, You know, or, you know, when I meet people and they say, this is so-and-so, I say, what's your role? What team, what kind of team member are you? I don't say are you a nurse to the females and are you a doctor to the males? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to try. I mean, I'm going to make an effort Um, because, you know, the male nurses are called doctor and I, you know, and they assume I'm a nurse and it doesn't matter. I mean, in a sense of like, I could have been a nurse and I have all respect for it, but you don't want him writing your orders. Yeah. You don't want me doing, I mean, I can change a bedpan and a catheter, but it's not going to be as good as when the nurse changes it. Okay. Like, <laughs> no, and I can do IVs, but you don't want me to, you know? Right. Um, nope. 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 And you don't <laughs> want him ordering your medicine. Let me tell you, you don't want nurse McSlutty ordering your medicine. You know what I'm saying? Um. So I just, I'm trying to let it start with me and like little things of, like when Miss Lady who wears the heels and Miss Sassy, you know, in her cute outfits, like when someone says a comment, I need to start saying, huh, we shouldn't assume just on by her clothes. We shouldn't assume something about her character. You know, I mean, just little comments like that. And I have learned I, I'm standing up for myself more when other professionals, because the thing is, is if I start standing up for me and if I start standing up for other women, and if I start standing up, I had a transgender patient the other day, uh, today and last month. If I start standing up for them, and that's a whole nother conversation. We can have a whole podcast on transgender 
patients not being treated well in the hospital and in medicine in general. Um, but I started standing up for them and I just started having little talks with the team members at the beginning of the day. I call the nurses, I call the techs, I call everybody. And I say, they deserve our respect. They are our patients. We will care for them and we will be respectful of their pronouns and we will be respect respectful of the names they want us to call them. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, if you are Becky, because you your name's Rebecca and you go by Becky, I'm going to call you Becky. That's fine. You're going to call me Dr. So-and-so in front of the patients because that's what I want you to call me. And you're going to call he or she or they by whatever they want you to call them. And I don't care what the chart says to their face. And to me, you're going to call them what they want to be called, you know? Um, And I think that's the, the biggest thing for me is I'm still in training I'm not trying to ruffle feathers and butt heads and get in trouble. I'm not, I'm not trying to let's protest and put me on Facebook. And that's not my modem, uh, a motive, you know, but I think that leading by example would make the biggest difference in my small pond. Um, and I think that if people are genuinely, making an effort for this and introspective and just um, caring and sensitive to the people around them, that whole, that spreads, right? Spread love that spreads. And you know, that little comments stick with people and it's, they stick with me at least. And so that's kind of my hope is that it just educating each other in a kind way and supporting each other in a kind way would be the best. Yeah, sure. And and it really does take like speaking to the men that are listening that, you know, might not have been aware of some things um, like Kat, you mentioned earlier about the patient that was in between you and the door. I am six foot four and I do weigh 300 and some pounds. Um, and when in the past 10 or so years, I've really been more aware of how I am, how I present, how I carry myself. When I'm in a smaller room like that, I try to put myself as far away from the door as possible so that the other person, if they feel uncomfortable, they can make a quick exit. If I'm walking on a street, like I live near downtown Lansing, you know, the capital of Michigan, literally two miles from the capital. And some nights I have insomnia and I'll just go drive to downtown and walk around because it's well lit. There's usually music playing. Um, but if I see other people, especially if, if they're female or present as female, I cross to the opposite side of the street because I wouldn't want me walking behind them. Like if it's a block, if it's half a block, even if it was just me as a man, like, but especially if, if I was a female, so I, I make a concentrated effort. I wear, um, and this is just personally, cause I don't like just wearing dark things all the time. I wear bright outgoing colors. I try to make, I try to minimize myself. I, I call other people boss and, and use, you know, not necessarily familiar nicknames, but things to diminish myself. Mm-hmm. So, and, and to try to make others more comfortable. Um, cause I used to have the, the opinion, you know, well, I'm, I'm a really nice, fun guy. I'm a teddy bear. Once you get to know me, people aren't under any kind of obligation to get to know me. And the first impression that I make can be a very intimidating one. I, I don't try to, it's just physically what happens. So men, like, be aware of yourselves, be aware of how you're presenting. If you're not smiling, you're going to look intimidating. I guarantee it. Uh, unless, you know, you look like you're, you're one of the poor unfortunate souls who just constantly looks like a character in a children's story. Um, you are automatically going to be in a more intimidating place of being than 
you know, females would be. And you just, we really have to be more aware of how we are doing, what we are doing, you know, how we address people. Like Kat said, I'm going, I, I've made a concentrated effort in the past few years to address, especially females in places of authority by Mrs. or Madam or, you know, whatever their preferred title is, doctor this, doctor that, whatever. And because I'm kind of an asshole sometimes, if I know that there are men who have a problem with it, I will go out of my way to address the females with the honorific and use the male's most, most uh, personable unprofessional title possible, you know, whether it be a first name or a ridiculous nickname that I give them because I'm a six foot four, 300 pound asshole. As far as they know, what are they going to do? Talk back to me. I would expect like, nothing less from you. <laughs> I, I try. And I, I try to be smart about it. I don't try to be directly disrespectful with it because I'm really not trying to be that guy. But if, if I see things that are happening, I'm going to be a little ordinary about it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And, Brandon and I have known each other for a really long time. And I guess this is going to be me talking on, but bragging about him just a little bit. I've never seen a man, his size shrink when he needs to, like he does. Um, it, it's not, it's not detracting from Brandon. Brandon has a way t- to bring it down where he's still accessible, even though he towers over us like Hagrid. Uh, I've always mm-hmm. admired that about Brandon. And the reason why is because he's constantly reading the room. And I know what a lot of guys are going to think immediately, like, man, that's a lot of work. And why do I have to change because somebody else? Well, first of all, you have to change because it's not really changing. It's just being mindful and considerate of others. We were taught manners when we were kids. These are manners for adults. And this Mm -hmm. is the way that society is supposed to run. We are not asking you to fundamentally change who you are. We're asking you to be polite. And okay. if it is something that is a fundamental change, sorry to interrupt, Eric. Oh, no, go ahead. It, you maybe really need to take stock of your priorities and, and your your convictions, your traditions, how you were raised. If it is something that you find to be so shocking and jarring, reevaluate your priorities. See what they truly are. If it's out of a position of respect or if it's out of a position of, well, this is the way it's always been, like Kat said earlier. I mean, you even hear that from the females, like the nurses and some of the uh, female doctors, like she was saying. If it's that ingrained and it causes that much of a rub, ask yourself why. Yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. feeling uncomfortable. And I, I would. Yeah. I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I would go on with, with what the both of you just said, because in all due respect and with all due love, the men have been raised, many of them, Eric, you weren't, but <laughs> men have been raised to walk into the room and sometimes take up all the air, mm-hmm. all the air. And when we say, hey, excuse me, I need my share of that air, it feels like they're being suffocated. That's how they perceive it. And really, I just want my share of the air. But it feels very much like they're being suffocated. And if you're being suffocated because Kat and I want to walk in and actually take a breath, then like Brandon said, maybe you need to take stock in how you are approaching approaching that air in your space and your entitlement to that air. Yeah. Just to be very blunt. And I appreciate how you just described that. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. And there's one other thing while I'm thinking about it that as guys are listening in, um, (laughs) <laughs> taking your shot at asking somebody out in the workplace. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, as a guy or in the gym or, in the gym. or just you know. and in the grocery store in the mall <laughs> at the gas yeah. station. First well, you're all, getting a parking ticket. I've had a friend Jeez. try that once. 
Preach. Yeah, but then we also complain that we never get asked out. So yeah. I don't uh, complain about that. <laughs> <laughs> I only get asked out by the people I don't want to ask. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I, remember, I remember mom getting asked out with me standing there. They always use the line, oh, I thought this was your, um, I thought you were a sister and brother. That's the line they always use. Oh, yeah. And you, yeah, when I was a teenager. Oh, except, well, since pre-COVID, because I haven't been anywhere since COVID, literally. Yeah. but pre-COVID, yes, all the way up to pre-COVID. It's like, seriously, I don't even know you do. Don't follow me from the grocery store cashier line to my car and get mad when I don't speak to you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't, oh, that's don't. so scary. That makes it happens more than or, I can say. Or just assume that, you know, someone owes you a conversation because they're reading a book on a mall bench and you decide to be kind enough to sit beside them and try to talk to them. Yeah. yeah or tell me, yeah. tell me to, you know, how often I get told to smile. Look like prettier if you oh, smile. Yes. Yes. That's oh. what I loved about Captain Marvel when he said smile and she was like, Yep. So for that, I'm taking your motor. So, well, yeah. <laughs> what I was going to go with this is, and you guys are absolutely right, giving personal examples of what we're talking about here is first of all, and Brandon hit right on the head, people that are strangers, women uh, and men, they don't owe you a conversation. Let's establish no. that right away. They don't owe you a conversation. So if you see someone that you're attracted to, they don't, first of all, they don't owe you a conversation. Secondly, there are time and places for it. So when you're in the hospital, not so much. When you're in a restaurant, there you have to read the room and you have to kind of decide if it's a, it's approachable. When you do approach it, when you go shoot your shot, you have to be very careful with what you're doing. Now, I'm not telling all the men not to approach women. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. What I'm saying is use both discretion and wisdom and understand that woman doesn't know you and she may see you as a threat. I know this may shock you, because you're thinking, well, I'm just a big teddy bear. Like Brandon said five minutes ago, they don't know that. So when you're approaching a stranger and you're like, wow, I'm attracted to them. Let me get their number, read the room. In a hospital, not a good time. Restaurant, maybe. And then you have to be very careful with your approach. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about me. This is not a brag about me. I was so shocked that it happened that, um, that I'll tell you the story because it happened towards me. Someone asked me out. And I really kind of liked how they did it. Um, so I was in West Virginia. It was flattering. I was, I was in West Virginia and I was getting some lunch and the, the uh, uh, waiter, uh, waitress really, I, I guess, liked what she saw and we were having a good conversation. But she talked to me off and on for like 20 minutes. It was slow. Nobody else was in Applebee's except for me. This was back when I still had no standards and went to Applebee's. I digress. (laughs) And so we went on for 30 minutes. We had a long conversation. We struck up a friendly conversation. So when she approached me and she's like, um, you know, if, if you're not taken, I would love to have your number. It wasn't weird. It was more flattering. So if you're coming up chasing somebody down, that's weird. But if the opportunity presents itself and you in a natural conversation, That's fine too, but use your discretion and wisdom and understand these things that, again, I can't emphasize just because a woman exists doesn't mean they owe you anything. And that is what we see. And I get it. What happens is, and I know it sounds like I'm really ragged on men right now. I'm not. I'm just saying use some discretion. What happens is our whole lives as men, society has taught us to be almost predatory when it comes to 
um, finding potential partners. We see it in movies. We see it on TV shows. We hear it on the radio. We've seen all kinds of this. In all these movies and stuff, especially in the 80s and 90s, men were rewarded with shooting their shot and they get this trophy. It's a girlfriend. And as a result, there is decades of fantasy that's been placed in our society as men that we show up, we have to exist, and we just say hi, and she boast, uh, she's supposed to owe us something. That's not how this works. And another thing why I'm ranting, <laughs> well, I'm not ranting, I'm actually being very honest, is this friend zone thing. We've got to stop it. This friend zone thing. She doesn't, again, owe you anything. You drop three compliments on her, and she's supposed to become your girlfriend and you know, basically put out. That doesn't work that way. Well, we don't trade friendship for sex. Yeah. And I heard a really funny comedian one time. He said, what's wrong with getting a new friend? (laughs) He's like, you have a new friend. What's wrong with that? And he went on to be funny. He's like, let's do brunch dinner. You know, let's do brunch plans. Let's have Thanksgiving after a week after Thanksgiving without our families. Let's be friends. Yeah. Yeah. And he was teasing, but he had made a, a really good point about that. He's like, you know, you he didn't lose anything. You only gained a friend. So stop with this friend zone stuff. So all of that stuff is, I hate to use the word because it's being used so much in society that it's lost its meaning, but that is toxic masculinity. Remember to be a man is to know who you are, respect those around you, respect their titles, respect the environment that you find yourself in and read the room and have some discernment. If there is someone in in an environment that you really find attractive, then approach them very respectfully. There was one other example that I wanted to give. There was a guy I knew did it in a certain way. They wound up dating for a long time. It was really cool. It was, she was in a, she was a waiter and he didn't want to be that guy who hits on the wait uh, on the waitress, right? So what he did was he came in two or three times and got a, more of a relationship with her. And then he just said, listen, and he finally just shot a shot. He said, listen, I really like you and I really like to get to know you better. And I know this is your workplace, but if you're interested, maybe we can meet some other time outside of work if you're interested. And she, he only did that when it was appropriate. So think about how you approach someone that you're attracted to, you know, and think about the environment that you find them in. So I think that's just being very blunt, very honest. And, and the reason why is because again, I hear these horrifying stories that you guys have both told and I immediately want to cringe and fix everything, Mm -hmm. but that's just who I am. So going forward as a society, yeah, absolutely learn from each other. I think that's I think that's the best thing to do. And remember that they're people. So if I can sum up what you guys said and just know your time and place, pick your spot carefully. So listen, we are over time. We're going to have to stop. Hey, listen, Kat, thank you. Or Dr. Kat, thank you so much for joining us. It was eye-opening <laughs> to say the least. Oh, I wasn't too honest. No. No, no this was fantastic. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely fantastic. And for those that are listening, I hope it really challenges your perspective and saying, hey, maybe we need to reevaluate some things really honestly based on what Dr. Cat had brought us. Well, a lot to think about. Hey, listen, if you want to write us in, if you've got stories about horror stories, even about these kind of things, or stories, or stories in general, or you want to give us your opinion on it, there's lots of ways that you can contact us. And it's one of those topics that I 
really think would be interesting to discuss. And we would all love to hear your response on this episode. There's a few ways you can do that. First of all, you can find us on our Facebook page, which is you, me, and your mom. You can Google us and you'll find us really quickly. You can also find us on our Instagram page, which is you, me, your mom podcast. That's you, me, your mom podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, which is you, me, your mom, real easy as well. And you can also find us by our email if you want to write an email instead of direct messages or leave comments on our post. Our email is youmeyourmom99 at gmail.com. That's youmeyourmom99 at gmail.com. And that's spelled Y-O-U-M-E-Y-O-U-R-M-O-M. 99 at gmail.com. Thanks. Ooh, he, he went old school. <laughs> he did. He went back to the beginning. You can also leave us a voicemail where you find most of your podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. There's usually a button for ours that says leave a voicemail and we can feature your lovely voice right on the show. And one other thing that we ask you to do is if you like what we're doing here, leave us a review on different places you can find your podcast and share us with your family and friends. That's the fastest way that we continue to grow. And for those that have already done that thank you so much it's such an awesome thing that you guys like us enough to let everybody know that we exist so thank you well i've been eric and we've been joined by our other co-host our uh, co-host brandon my other co-host mom which is name is sandy and finally thank you again dr cat for joining us well until next time wherever you are in the bright wide world just remember it can always get worse we'll see y'all later bye <laughs> good night gracie Everyone drink your water and sleep and wash your hands. <laughs> your vegetables. I didn't get to say any doctor stuff. <laughs> Eat your vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Exercise. Exercise. <laughs> Good night, everybody.